The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday. Class is in session with Professor Greg Cosell of NFL Films University. We are, of course, presented by DraftKings. Most of you know I am a former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years. Now i got a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of media gigs. Eagles preseason games will be here before you know it. Calling college football games on CBS, NFL games on Westwood One. Football season is just about here. Can't wait. Very fired up. Training camp's opening up pretty much everywhere, every day. Everybody will be in camp by midweek next week. Better them than me, by the way. It is hot as you know what outside. Before we get to Greg, though, I love to reward those of you that go the extra mile to help us grow our audience, which is obviously critical to what we're trying to do here. So if you ever have any evidence of any kind that you did anything to help grow the audience, just send me an email, ross at rostucker.com. We've got three specific categories we often announce winners for. So let's do that, Mike Singletary. I want winners. I want people that want to win. I want people like Craig DaCosta. I can't remember which clip he retweeted. Might have been a Lamar Jackson one, but Craig DaCosta retweeted something from at Ross Tucker pod. So you're automatically entered for that one to get a signed press pass or picture or football card or whatever it is that you want. You're automatically entered for that one. As long as you retweet at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker pod, or you like on Instagram or you love on Facebook or even better share on Facebook, or I'll even look at people that, like some of the clips that we post on TikTok at Ross Tucker NFL. That counts as well. The sponsor confirmation email winner is Aaron McDaniel, who took advantage of our code over Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is killing it, man. They're killing it for me, and they're killing it for all of you that have signed up for it. Athletic Greens and UFOS, man, I get a lot of sponsor confirmations 
for those two. Keep them coming. People seem to love both of them. And then Cole Ratcliffe. He's the YouTube shout-out winner. I think Cole just talked about how much he enjoyed Monday's episode where Brian and I kind of recapped our vacations that we took over the 4th of July holiday. So, Cole, you know the deal with the YouTube shout-out. You subscribe to YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, and you make any comment. I see every comment. I get an email for every comment. So any comment you guys ever make, I see. And then Cole, since you're new or since I hadn't seen you make a comment before, you get a shout-out from me, a video shout-out on YouTube that I will email to you. It's kind of like the cameo videos that people pay me to do for their fantasy team or a birthday or anniversary or whatever. But you get it for free. It's Big Show time with Craig Cosell. The Big Show. All right, Greg, as promised, so excited to talk with you. We did Monday the last couple weeks back into your regular Thursday early morning spot. We're going to get to the running backs, which I think is really interesting because there's a running back prospect who they are saying is the best running back prospect potentially since Saquon Barkley, which is interesting because Saquon Barkley's had a really up and down career so far. So there's a lot to get to there. I did want to ask you something that was a hot topic last week, Greg. You know, I guess I think his name's Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. Does a good job. He polled a bunch of executives and, you know, coaches and did a top 10 quarterback list. Not going to ask you for your list. Not going to ask you to rank them. I know you don't like doing that. I spend all my time making lists, Ross. You know, that's what I do. I know, I know, I know. Uh, But no, in all sincerity, Lamar Jackson was the obvious omission, was not in the top 10. I know I went on a bunch of radio stations last week. Every one of them asked me about it, Greg. Every one of them. Well, And here's the only thing I would say, okay? And tell me if you think I'm totally off base. When you ask these executives this question, I think a lot of them think about it and probably answer or text back or write down based on who are the 10 guys off the top of their head that they would want on their team. And on their team, in my mind, probably means running their offense. And I think right or wrong, Greg, there's still a perception that a lot of what Lamar Jackson does is based on the Ravens' unique offense And I can see where, you know, Russell Wilson was eighth and Dak Prescott was 10. I can see where somebody says, you know, I think Lamar is great, but for my offense and my team, I would rather have a more traditional guy like Dak. I think that I'm not saying, look, Lamar should be a top 10 quarterback any of the week. But do you think it's fair that some of these people polled, maybe looked at it that way and maybe still think, you know, a lot of what Lamar's done has been – Um, you know, the schematic advantage or the schematic difference or uniqueness that they have in Baltimore? Boy, there's there's a lot of ways to go with this question. You know, I guess I'm going to answer it by the fact that I watched all of Lamar's third down dropbacks about a week ago. So I'm going to stick to the tape because, you know, I don't know what's in the head of the people that they uh, talk to other than the fact that these people live in the world of the NFL. This is what they do for a living. So 
perhaps it's not an omission. When you ask people who do this for a living and then they give their answers, I think you have to pretty much kind of say that these people know what they're talking about to a large extent. But anyway, that that's a different question, a different answer. You know, I think Lamar is a fascinating guy to watch, particularly on third down. Um, second reaction runs, which can't really be taught, that they're a, a foundation of his game. And that makes him different than most quarterbacks that we see. Um, pretty much every quarterback that we see. Because, yes, are there other quarterbacks that do make plays with their legs, either then leaving the pocket and throwing or leaving the pocket and running? Absolutely. We see that probably more and more than we ever have. But with Lamar Jackson, it's truly a foundation of his game. And there's no one who does it better than Lamar Jackson. Now, when you talk about what we would consider more conventional quarterback play, um, Jackson is kind of a different cat as far as throwing the ball. He's not really a footwork balanced thrower. He doesn't really throw with a firm base. His feet are kind of unsettled and moving, but he's got a really strong torso and core that allows him to make throws without really stepping into them. So he's kind of a different kind of thrower. Um, but he gets his hips and core through his throws without even really planting his feet. And that makes him different and able to make some throws. Now, he's always going to leave throws on the field, Ross, just because that's who he is. But he can compensate for that with the fact that he can make phenomenal second reaction runs. So it's a balancing act with Lamar Jackson. And I think you know what he is. And you live with the fact that he can be an absolutely special runner because you don't want to take that away from him. But then you live with the flip side of that, which is he will leave some throws on the field. And I'm talking, these were all third down dropbacks. So that, that's what I'm speaking to. I watched every single one. Um, so that's who he is as a player. Um, then you get into what you said, how people see the game. You know, what do you want in your quarterback? Um, I can tell you one other thing and then we can move on. I've talked to a ton of coaches who tell, who still tell you that if you can force the Ravens into a drop-back passing game, that Lamar's not quite there yet to really execute that at a high level. That's where I hear from coaches. It's interesting because, as you know, people will point to, like, the Colts game last year when they came he from was behind phenomenal overtime. He was like 37 of 43. Was, that was maybe his best game playing from the pocket and delivering the football that I can remember. That was a Monday night game in which Wentz was great and Jackson was better. And Jackson made big, big time throws from the pocket. No question. But you can also point to some other games, some playoff games the last few years where it has not been as good for him throwing the football. It really is interesting. I, I The one thing I will say for sure, Greg – is his MVP year, and this is not his fault, but his MVP year, they took the league by storm schematically. Correct. People did not know how to defend what they were doing. Correct. And he benefited. Look, he's the one with the physical ability that gave them the chance to do that. So he deserves all the credit for it. But, you know... They had a significant schematic advantage on everybody that year, which is why he had such a ridiculous year. And if you look, you know, the last two years have not been as good. 
No, and and again, the, the fact is, is and I, I spoke to someone who you know was on staff. They basically made Jackson as a runner the foundation of their offense. Right. They made the quarterback as a runner the foundation. No other team in the NFL even thinks like that, and it was brilliant thinking. But in many ways, it also told you what they ultimately believed was their best way to play. And you're 100% correct. The league was not really sure how to handle that kind of offense because no one had done that in the NFL. Um, so he, he's a fascinating player with clearly exceptional traits in some areas. I mean, unique, rare traits in some areas and things he still needs to work on, which, by the way, doesn't make him different than a lot of guys who are, haven't played quarterback in the league for less than five years. So I think that's an interesting question. Gosh, we could do, are we going to do the whole segment on Lamar Jackson? I mean, Jackson, you, you, but... you can talk about – well, first of all, I feel I, I can talk about quarterbacks for weeks, Ross, as you know. <laughs> but I guess the question is, have you seen improvement? Um, I think you do at times. I mean, I even made in my notes, and I'll read it to you because you know that I take really detailed notes. Um Copious. You take copious. Copious, notes. copious. Yes, that's our principle. Are there any other word. type of notes to take, by the way, Greg? That's the only time I ever hear that word. It's yes. in reference to the notes that people like Greg Cosell take. Copious. It's good SAT word, you know? <laughs> um, there were t- I, Here's what I typed. There were times Jackson looked very efficient on his drop and set in the pocket, reading coverage and throwing with timing and rhythm to the right receiver. There were other times he looked unconventional throwing the ball, but that is the way he throws. You know, that's what I type. That's who he is. I mean, there are times he looks great, um, and there are other times not. So the question is, is that going to be who he is for the rest of his career? Um, Is his phenomenal second reaction ability going to be there four or five years from now? Or is that going to – is he going to have to make kind of a – you know, a, a transition at some point simply because no matter how special he is, and he's ridiculously special as a runner, is there going to be some physical attrition over time simply because you get hit? You know, and granted, he 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 understands how not to get hit very much at all, but he still gets tackled. And, you know, that over time, we'll see what happens. Let's talk about other guys that get hit, that get tackled, or maybe not. Let's talk about the running backs for the 2023 NFL draft, Greg, and maybe we only get the one or two today and do the rest next week. Sure. We'll figure it out. Uh, is there a clear, you know how I always like to do this with you. Is there a clear number one guy or a clear guy that really jumped out to you? Yeah. Jameer Gibbs, who was at Georgia tech last year and transferred to Alabama. Um, this guy conjured up visions to me of Dalvin cook. Um, he is size is similar, sudden explosiveness downhill, um, sharp, decisive cuts at speed with great balance and body control. Uh, this guy, to me, has high, high-level traits, a complete skill set to be a three-down back at the next level. I'm really excited to see him this year at Alabama. Obviously, you know they'll have a very good offense. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and again, I don't get caught up in, in you know what, what lists right now. These guys have another year to play. But of the guys I watched, and I've watched five or six of the so-called top backs, um, I thought Jameer Gibbs, to me, really stood out. Wow, that's interesting. Not the guy that gets talked about as being potentially the best prospect since Saquon Barkley, which is Bijan Robinson from Texas, 
is the guy that I've heard that about. I've seen that written about yeah. B. Robinson. What did you think of Robinson, Greg? I like Robinson, and his receiving ability is, is going to be what I think is really important as he makes the transition. Um, he's a big back. Um, he's smooth. He's fluid. He's a glider. Um, he was very efficient in the zone run game where he could use his patience and his vision. He has very good one-cut ability, which, of course, we know is absolutely important in the zone run game. I'd say he's a little more one-speed than explosive. Um, he, you know, he, he's fluid. He's a glider. He's not really shifty or elusive in a strict sense. Um, he doesn't really have great make-you-miss traits. It's his size, his vision, his balance, his fluidity. He's got kind of a subtle change of direction. He's compact. Um, I liked him. I like Jameer Gibbs more based on just watching tape. Um, they're both receivers who can fill that role in the NFL, which, as you and I both know, has become you know critically important in the minds of many when you look at running backs. So I got to ask you this while we're on the topic, okay? You know, I read this report, and, you know, it says many in the NFL. I think it was Dane Brugler, who, who you and I both have a lot of respect for. Oh, yeah, Dane Dane's does a great. Perfect job. Yeah. And he said, you know – Many people believe that Robinson might be the best prospect, running back prospect, since Saquon Barkley. And I guess I want your opinion. I, I don't really know what that means. I mean, I look back on it, and I guess Saquon did have over 1,000 yards his first two years. I mean, as a rookie, Saquon had 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, five yards an attempt. He caught 91 ball. I mean, I didn't realize what Saquon did as a rookie – over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Uh, but then the second year, not as much. Played 13 games. Obviously, 2020 had the major injury. Last year, came back. And, you know, it's interesting because I had Robert Turbin, the eight-year NFL running back on. Yeah. I think it was last week and gave his rankings. And Steve, he still has Saquon ranked very high among NFL running backs, assuming 100% health. And, Greg, you know, I, I live in central Pennsylvania. Um, I know Saquon. He's an awesome young man. I, I guess I'm just not so sure, Greg. He, I'm not so sure about his vision, and I feel like he has a lot of negative yardage runs. Yeah, He's got it, some Barry Sanders to his game. So when I see best prospects in Saquon, I don't really know what that means. Yeah, I mean – I can only tell you what I say on tape with Saquon, even when he was theoretically at his best. And I think he's an explosive back. I don't think he's a true sustaining back. I don't think he has all the traits you look for in a back that's going to sustain offense. I think he's dynamic and explosive. He obviously is a terrific receiver who can detach from the formation. But I, I don't think he's exactly that kind of back that just consistently grinds out the kind of hard-earned yards that you look for with a back that you'd like to give the ball to 20, 22 times a game. Now, maybe with the injuries, maybe that'll change. Maybe his running style by necessity, Ross, might have to change. We don't know that. Um, guys have changed, you know, which is rare. But I can think back, and I'm sure you'll remember this back. Clinton Portis came into the league as an explosive back with the Broncos. I mean, this guy was a big play machine. And then he got traded to Washington, and all of a sudden he became a sustaining grinder and was great at that for about three or four years. So, you know, guys can change. It doesn't happen often. But I think Barkley is a fascinating case study where his career goes at this point. 
It's really interesting because when people hear you say he's not a, might not be a sustaining back, usually, Greg, you say that about the 195-pound guys, yep. you know, or the the more scat. I mean, he's 230 pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know, but he doesn't run like that. No, I know. Greg, I, I am with you. It's just interesting. You are um, crushing the stereotype that that comment is solely a size one. Right. And again, I'm just going by the tape, but you know, the size, you know, and again, he's got a very interesting body type. We know he's got thighs that are as big as the state of Texas. So (laughs) he's got a very interesting body type, which is normally not exactly what you see with backs. Who is there another guy that we have to talk about today? Uh, I'm going to mention another guy who's also a transfer and was actually was a five-star recruit coming out of the of uh, the state of Texas. He played last year at TCU and then got hurt, and he just he transferred to Ole Miss for this year with Lane Kiffin. His name is Zach Evans. I really liked his tape as well. He's got high-level running traits. He's got burst, velocity, play speed, contact balance, power to finish. There was an explosive element to Zach Evans' game, and and people who follow college football and recruiting will absolutely know who he is because he started his career at TCU as the school's first ever five-star recruit. So people will know about him and he'll be in the SEC again this year along with uh, Jameer Gibbs. So Evans will be at Ole Miss, Gibbs will be at Alabama. So interesting. I didn't realize this. He actually signed a letter of intent with Georgia, had offers everywhere, but then Georgia allowed him to get out of it and a few months later, he enrolled at TCU. That That is fascinating, really fascinating. It's also kind of interesting to me, Greg, that the uh, another stud running back this year is Texas A&M. They got another one. Yeah. They've got I, – I, Ross, do you know how to pronounce it? I feel terrible. No, nope, I... it's Devin, A-C-H-A-N-E. Neither one of us know how to pronounce it. I'll go with A-Kane right now. Okay, Um He's an interesting guy because he's a track guy and he's smaller. Um, you know, he's a sprinter. He runs 60 meters, 100 meters, 200 meters. He was a he big ran guy. a 10 1 this yeah. spring. Um, 10 1, Greg. Yeah, he's he's um, he kind of runs like a sprinter because they're the way they practice and train Ross is different than a football player. So he's got some hip tightness and core stiffness because that's. You know, that's the way, you know, when I've talked to people about this, I'm not the expert, so I don't want people to think, hey, what are you talking about? I've talked to people about this, so I'm reciting what they tell me. You know, they train differently. So he is explosive and electric at times. He's got sudden quick feet. He can run with velocity and explosiveness. He's not really naturally shifty or elusive because he's got that hip tightness and core stiffness. That's just who he is. But he, he's a very good receiver, and there's no question he is explosive and can run away from people. You know, that's based on his, his sprinter's background. Um, you know, his, his combination running, receiving, and uh, traits and overall explosiveness will certainly be in demand. I'm sure he'll gain, you know, 1,200, 1,300 yards rushing. He'll be a guy I'll be very anxious to see how he's evaluated after his, his final year at Texas A&M this year. Yeah, and the one thing I, I want to point out, Greg, because you know with Go Big Recruiting, um, you know, the, the service I've had for high school athletes since 2007, I follow recruiting closely. I follow high school football closely. 
Greg, I'm telling you right now, I have seen kids that run an 11-100 that are definitely faster on a football field yeah. than a kid that runs a 10-700. It's just it, – it, I don't care what anybody says. It's different. Now, I think maybe the GPS trackers where they have the actual mile per hour of the guys on the field, but so much of your timed – sprint greg is your start yes you know coming out of that four point stance which has no relevance to football there, there's no so much of the difference between a guy running this and, and that is how good their start is greg they don't have a start like that if you're playing football no you it's funny you, you say that because when i sit with coaches at the combine when the wide receivers let's say are running and coaches say to me why are they having wide receivers start and attract sprinter stance? You know, why don't we have them start the way they're going to release off the line of scrimmage, you know, when they play football? You know, so you're 100% right. So it, it's not really relevant. It's not. And there is no I, – I know for a fact kids that are faster on the field than they are when they run on the track and vice versa. They just are. But well, coaches a lot of times lean on – you know, the what they know about the track speed because that's verifiable. Greg, you're the man. This was awesome. I think I took four different potential quotes just on Lamar Jackson, let alone what you said about Jameer Gibbs and some of the other running backs. Awesome stuff. Maybe next week we can dive into some of these new offensive coordinators around the league and what to expect from them. Thank you so much. Check out Greg on social, as always, at Greg Cosell. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Greg is awesome. We already knew that. I love the fact that he does the work as it relates to Lamar Jackson, those running backs, and just goes by what he sees. It's that simple. That's the same way I am when it comes to jeans. Just keep it simple. Just keep it comfortable to me. I need the just right stretch. I need the vintage look with the modern feel. That's what's important to me. Guess where they have it? Express. What's on your style bucket list? Cross off your must-haves with all new arrivals from Destination Express. Find an outfit for every Destination Express online or in-store. Morning, Ross. Let's start with the 49ers. And Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he will not be wearing a 49er uniform. He's given permission to seek a trade. Well, it's weird because I, I thought they gave him a permission to seek a trade a long time ago, but this sort of has come back to the forefront now because there's one report that he's been cleared for football activity. I think maybe that's Adam Schefter. There's another report that he'll be cleared in mid-August, but that was really the impediment to a trade to this point. And now the Niners are in a bad spot. Because nobody was really willing to wait around for a Jimmy G trade. They just weren't. So now there isn't a clear team that really needs him, other than I would submit to you the Seahawks. But the Seahawks aren't going to trade for Jimmy G at this point. So um, they don't seem to really care all that much. So I don't know. This whole thing with Jimmy G will be interesting whether it's like the Niners decide to just hold on to him because as insurance for Trey Lance and in case somebody else suffers an injury, but there just aren't that many teams that 
can hold him in that $24 million salary. That's the problem. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if and where Jimmy G lands somewhere anytime soon. Ducks takes. Several reports out there uh, kind of refuting that uh, Rob Gronkowski is actually done, but the Bucks they're moving on. Kyle Rudolph, they signed tight end Kyle Rudolph to a one-year deal, and the Jets signed DB uh, Craig James after he was cut by Philadelphia. Isn't it interesting? Rob Gronkowski says he's retired. His agent says probably not. His girlfriend says probably not. So I don't know. I, I will say this, and I've said this before on this show, Bri. If you are a guy like Rob Gronkowski, the longer there is the possibility that you might come back to play football, the more relevant you are the more people talk about you. And so anything else you're doing in the media or business, people have to be there. They have to get quotes from you because you might say you're playing again, or they at least have to ask you the question. So I think that's a big reason why Kyle Rudolph, you know, why, why Gronkowski hasn't said that he's retiring. The Bucks, though, have to take him at his word. And, you know, they can't count on him to come back. It doesn't mean they still might not bring him in later in the year if he wants to play. But they have to plan that he might not play, which is why they bring in Kyle Rudolph, who I doubt is getting very much money. My guess is Kyle just wants to be on a team that has a chance to go all the way. And then the Jets getting Craig James. This happens all the time. I mean, the Jets are the same team that got Nate Herbig. Joe Douglas was the assistant GM or whatever his title was in Philadelphia while Nate Herbing and Craig James were there. Eagles cut him. He knows what they can do. Craig James is very good on special teams. I think he was a captain of the Eagles in 2020 because of his special teams exploits. So, boom, there you go. That's why they go ahead and get Craig James. Ducks takes. NFL D-tackle Eddie Goldman retired from the Falcons after six years and taking COVID year off. That's kind of surprising because, you know, he was going to be on the roster this year. I don't think the Falcons were going to cut him, and he's a player they could they could really use next to Grady Jarrett. But he didn't sign till July, and it just doesn't seem like his heart was in it. You know, you don't sign till July, and then – it was probably hot out, and he was thinking, man, I doing workout. It you're you gotta be totally all in, man. You you really gotta be all in to be able to get through it. It's a very it, it's almost impossible to just go through the motions on an NFL roster through an NFL season. And finally, your thoughts about the all black helmets that Carolina's gonna wear this year. They're fine. I don't really care about their all-black helmets. I do say, I mean, look, I'm curious about the look. I usually like all-black looks. But for me, Bri, it's more about the fact that I think it's awesome that these teams can have an alternate helmet again. You know, Pat the Patriot for the Patriots, we've talked about that. The Eagles, Kelly Green. You know, there's just a lot of you know, other helmets that just look great that these franchises used to wear. That's the ones I like the most. It's kind of like the 
the the throwbacks, if you will. So really, really looking forward to that. Just like I'm looking forward to giving shout outs to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, and Evergreen Economics. Awesome episode this week of the Fantasy Feast with Joe Dolan's quarterback rankings by tier. If you play in any fantasy football leagues, make sure you listen or watch that one. We'll be back Monday morning with a guest right before training camp starts for him. It's a little bit of a surprise. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.